Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. I'm going to do the scripture reading for today. Today's scripture reading comes from Romans 12, verses 11 to 12. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Amen. Thanks, Michelle. How are you doing? Oh, I need that. Give me that. Okay, okay. Awesome. Happy Mother's Day, guys. Yeah, yeah, come on now. All right. Awesome. Hey, uh, we just want to honor you, honor you guys who are mothers. And so we got a little gift. Um, it's such a special time. My wife is a mother of one and then now soon to be two come Halloween. So just, uh, yeah, exactly. And so very excited about that. And I uh, just want to take some time to honor uh, the mothers in the room. And now I also know uh, part of my own story is I lost my mother two, two years ago. And so this time can also be difficult. And I, I can appreciate that. And so um, and so for, for all you mothers out there, or, or desiring mothers, or people who have lost mothers, um, we love you. Uh, and I ha- we have a little story for you. And so I have Happy right here. Where's Happy? You close? Come on up, brother. He's going to share a little story um, about his own experience uh, dealing with, a, with kind of a tough Mother's Day. And he's going to share about the hope that can come um, even, in, even in desperate situations. Can I borrow that microphone? Thank you very much. Happy, come here, brother. Right beside me. How you doing, man? Oh, thank you, thank you. Hello, friends. My name used to be Happy, and now it's more happy. <laughs> you know what? I got, a, I got an incredible story to tell you. I want to wish every mother here a happy Mother's Day. And I, 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 I rejoice with, with you because I never had a mother. My mother died two hours after I was born. I was born a two-pound baby, two months premature, and my dad couldn't handle that. He just couldn't handle that. He said, told me as a little child I murdered his wife, and I, I lived my life till I was 27 years old, thinking that I murdered my mother. But I didn't. Do you know what happened? At 27 years old, I put my trust in Jesus and become a Christian, and now I can say, whippee! <laughs> Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. Here you go, Michelle. You'll need that. All right. So come on up uh, just after. Emily will be standing here. She'll be passing uh, out a little gift for for you folks. Um, All right, so my name is Adam. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. And... uh, and welcome back. If you, if you have been a part of this sermon series we've been going through called Be Jesus, it's, it's exciting to kind of connect uh, last week and, and this week where we, where we talked about outdoing one another in, in showing honor. And so, mothers, be honored. Um, and I want to open with a little, with a little story. As I, was, uh, so I was reading this passage and I was, as I was meditating on this and, and just kind of researching, and uh, I came across this interesting little story that I thought uh, would be a good way to kind of bridge us into the passage and help give us a deeper understanding. So I'll just read this out to you a little bit. Uh, all right. A barbarian chieftain. Okay, so this is it's an old story, or at least set in an old time. 
A barbarian chieftain thought to honor Alexander the Great by giving him three noble dogs of matchless courage. Those are pretty, pretty cool dogs. Uh, shortly after the chieftain had gone, Alexander decided to test the dogs, right? Because it's like, oh, matchless courage, that's pretty cool. Like, how do I, how do you know that? How do you see it? So, so he puts them to the test. He had a stag brought before them. So a stag is, I guess, like a male deer or something, right? <laughs> I grew up in the city. <clears throat> but the dogs only yawned, and they went to sleep. Then he had a hind, that's a female deer, uh, and an antelope, and he put them into the park with them. The dogs weren't interested. Certain that the dogs were worthless, Alexander had them killed. Clearly this guy is not from Toronto. That would have gone bad for him. That's, that's a, I know you folks love your dogs. Um, a few days later, the chieftain returned to ask about his favorite dogs. When he was told what had, hap what had been done to them, he cried, Oh, Alexander, you are a great king, but you are a very foolish man. You showed them a stag and a hind and an antelope, and they paid no attention. But if you had turned a lion and a tiger loose on them, you would have seen what brave dogs I had given you. Interesting. What would get you excited about jumping into the fight? What would get you excited? Or what puts you to sleep? What makes you yawn? These dogs were trained hard to take on some of life's most intense situations, right? Like, a, imagine a lion just released on a little dog. Like, no chance, right? We know lions. They take down, like, elephants. One of my favorite things to do is, uh, is if Blake is getting a little grumpy and she wants to spend time with me, but I still kind of need to do some work, she'll come into my office and I'll put on, like, a nature show and, uh, and she'll watch the animals, and she'll get real excited, like, whoa, lions, whoa, birdies, whoa, whatever, right? It's, it's fun, and it's exciting, and I can still work, and she can have some fun. We can do it together. And, uh, and like, lions take down elephants and, like, big buffalo and stuff, so they don't mess around. So a little dog, no chance, right? And so these dogs had trained hard to take on some of life's most intense situations. Regular life and regular situations for regular dogs didn't excite them anymore. They just, just put them to sleep. So what does this have to do with us? And I have three, three questions for us. Christian, have you become lazy with the everyday things of the Christian life? Do only the extremes excite you about the things of the faith? Number two, and this might be even worse, have you just been tricked into thinking that the everyday things of the Christian life are not as exciting as fighting a lion? Or more sympathetically, are you like Alexander? You just don't know what to do with the amazing gift that has been given to you. Do you not know the arena in which to activate the things of God. All right, what does this have to do with our passage? 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Sounds really cool, right? These dogs had the capacity for great zeal. They just didn't employ it at that time. And the owners didn't know how to see it activated in them by putting them in the right context. Okay, so zeal. What does that mean, anyway? Like, I was reading this, and I was, I was like, okay, like, I, I maybe have some kind of framework for that word, but it's kind of weird, and so I definitely don't use it in everyday, like, my everyday speaking, and I, I can't imagine many of you guys either kind of say zeal all the time. Um, but, uh, so I looked it up, because even, even more importantly, like, if that's the word in English, well, what the heck was the word that they used uh, when, when the scriptures were written, right? So, here, here's a couple interesting uh, synonyms for us to help us get a full understanding. It means eagerness. Like, eagerness being like an excitement to get started. Diligence. A careful and persistent working and effort. Haste. Excessive speed or urgency. This has to happen now. Interesting. I said, okay, great. So this is helping me understand zeal. Hopefully it's helping you guys understand zeal a little bit too. So excited to get started. And when you're doing it, you, you're careful and you're, you plan it out and you, and you execute and you put effort in. And haste, you, you do it quickly, urgently, because something needs to happen now. Okay, so could be reading through this and thinking, okay, Paul, I get it. So I have to have zeal and not be lazy. I need to be quick to do things and passionate about it and put in some good effort. But what does this have to do with Christianity, really? Right? Because you can read that and be like, all right, great. So any, up until this point, you could say, like, this could go in any self-help book, right? Like, just be excited and work hard and whatever. What does this have to do with the things of God? Well, we get a little bit closer if we go just past the comma. Be fervent in spirit. And at this point, I was like, oh, great. More weird words that I would never say. Uh, and I kind of have an idea of what fervent means. What does that really mean? Like, I don't know. Fervent. Like, That's all I could think of. Fervent. Just fervent. You're just fervent, right? All right. Well, here, think about this. It means uh, excited, but not like, like giddy schoolgirl excited, like, oh my gosh, amazing, right? What does it actually mean? Okay, think about it like scientifically, to like excite atoms, like you get them moving. They're doing something, start, and we're starting to get heat and pressure and tension, right? Something's exciting them. Now, maybe you could say there's, with the giddy schoolgirls, that they probably kind of look like little atoms just jumping around, right? I'm excited. <clears throat> but let's push this a little further then. It means to well up. Fervent. Something's starting to, starting to well up. Something's starting to boil. Boiling up. Watch a pot of, bo think about a pot of still water. How long could you stare at a pot of still water? Like five seconds. Why aren't you boiled yet? But a pot of boiling water, there's something going on there. It's like staring at a fire, right? It's actually, you can stare at a fire for hours. Who likes coffee in here? Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah, come on now. I don't, but you all do. 
And uh, so you all love boiling water. You love things that boil. You like fervency, because it wakes you up in the morning. <clears throat> okay, so, not, so, like we're, so we're here, so do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent. And it's like, all right, like, are you telling me exactly what kind of a personality I should have? Like, because that's not really matching up with me, Paul. Like, I, I, I'm this kind of a way. I'm not that kind of a way, right? This isn't about personality, right? He's actually, he's giving commands, right? He's not telling you how to, how to exactly act, but he is saying that you need to do this, okay? So don't get caught up on this personality side of this, because this isn't about personality. And it's a tempting way to go, but let's not go there. So, so to finish this thought on fervency, and what does this have to do with Christianity? Well, it's about being in the Spirit. Fervency in the, in the Spirit. I said, okay. Okay, like, so what does that, what does that mean? Um, have we seen this before in the Scripture? And there's actually a case where this exact wording here comes up in Acts, uh, where we see this guy, Apollos, and he's teaching about Jesus. And it's saying said he was doing it in fervency of the Spirit. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and then these, then these other disciples came along, and they met this guy, and they're like, oh, hey, how's it going, Apollos? Whatever, hey, you know, we seem to be on the same team. Uh, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? And he's like, well, no. Well, but it just said, the, the Scripture just described his own fervency in the Spirit. Interesting. But he'd never heard about this. And so, fervency in the Spirit, one, made him really excited about Jesus, to talk about Jesus. And when there was more to learn about Jesus, he submitted himself to those disciples and learned more about Jesus. He was excited about that. And then what did he do? Well, he went back into the synagogues where he was teaching about Jesus to non-Christians, and he went and talked to non-Christians about Jesus some more. Even more excited. Because now he knows about the, his death, burial, and resurrection. He was fervent in spirit. Okay. So I think we're, get, we're getting a little bit of a fuller picture on fervency in spirit. Um, we need to not be lazy. If we had to catch up here. We need to be eager and diligent and hasty in boiling up in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, where else do we go with this? Because it feels like something is building through this first sentence. It appears to me. I don't know. You can, we can talk about it later if you disagree, but this is what I see here. <clears throat> um, something's building. And, but what's the climax to this, right? You say like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be lazy. I want to be zealous, and I don't want to be slothful, and I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. So what's the, let's imagine it like you're drawing back a bow and arrow, and you're pulling it, pulling it, pulling it, and there's tension building, 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 building. But what is the point of release? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You want to be not lazy? You want to be zealous? You want to be fervent in spirit? What, what do we do? Serve the Lord. Nice. Or is it? What was your reaction? What's your reaction? If that's the climax, 
to the, to the thing that we can all probably, if you're a Christian in this room, we could probably agree, right? Not being lazy, being zealous, to be boiling up in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we all want that. Serve the Lord. When you hear that part of it, though, what is your reaction? I don't I started thinking about it. How would we react? Was it kind of anticlimactic? Was it anticlimactic? I, I was thinking maybe, like maybe it would be for some people. Because maybe you are serving the Lord, or you feel like you're serving the Lord. But you're not feeling like you're increasing in zeal or fervency in the Holy Spirit. And I, here's my question for you, why? Why? What's going on? Have you grown weary in your serving? How about this? Was, was it piercing or like convicting for you? Like, oh man, I do not serve Jesus at all. I just live my life and, and, I, and I don't serve. At least not in any intentional way. And maybe you rationalize with it. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so everything I do serves the Lord, blah, blah, blah. But you don't, like, intentionally serve the Lord, right? It's like, ah. So, like, maybe that pierced you a little bit. Like, ah. Why? Why? Do you generally live your life just for yourself? Or was your reaction, amen? Amen! Give me more of that! That's amazing! Right? Yes, I want to be zealous. Yes, I want to be full of the Spirit. Serve the Lord? That's how I do it? That's the arena in which this can play out? Yeah! Amazing! Let's do it. Let's serve the Lord. Maybe that was your reaction. Maybe. I don't know. You ask yourself that. What makes us boil? What makes us boil? I said, I started just, just pondering through that. God, okay, God, what, like, what makes us boil as a church? And, um, and then, I, then I got on this track. Well, what makes God boil? Like, see, like, what makes God passionate and, and well up and excited? And for you in this room right now, it's you. his love for you, friend, brother, sister, Christian, it's you. And even more than that, too, all of creation reconciled to himself. The entire way in which God acts, everything about what he is doing, we say, what is God doing? Right? God's doing a lot. And it's all in fervency towards seeing you and all of creation reconciled back to himself through Jesus. And how did that happen? Well, Jesus became flesh. And he lived this life full of the Spirit. You can see if you read the Gospels, say over and over that he was led by the Spirit. And, and uh, he walked in the Spirit. And, um, so you can see that. You can see the life of God played out on this earth. And you see it in his death on the cross. What makes God boil up? And he knew that this was always the plan. It made him boil up with excitement. 
that he would die in your, in your place for your sin, that you could live a life in service to the Lord for the sake of other people, boiling up in the Holy Spirit too. And if you're not a Christian in this room, you're like, ah, I just came today to check out this church thing. Like, this is the life that we can have. Passionate, zealous, life full of the Spirit for the sake of other people, just like Jesus, serving the Lord. That's our life now. And so enter into it now. Enter into it now. Join in with us. Join in with us. Let's boil up together and go love God and love other people. Here's the reality about serving. Um, And it's hard to really, like, really nail this one because some of us are going to immediately say, well, 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 here we go. Here we go. He's going to tell me to serve on a church team somewhere. Ah, just don't want to do that, right? I'm going to have to serve on Sunday somewhere or whatever. Um, Well, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that to you. Of course I am, right? It's like, the, it's like the best starting point, the easiest starting point, right? Like, to, like Jesus says that they will know we are his disciples by our love for one another. So let's just start right here and show the watching world that we can love and serve one another well. Right? And then we can have that conversation about all the other things. Because all those other things count too. But if, if there's other things that are holding you back from serving the body of Christ and showing the love of God to each other, which is the very thing that Jesus said would be the way in which the world would see his love, that, we can't make excuses like that. We can't pass it off. All right, so here's the reality about serving. You, as an individual person, have 8,760 hours in a year. That's how much time God has stewarded to you this year. 8,760 hours. Okay? Now, I'll just start. Our covenant members, you have covenanted with the church to say, I will serve a minimum of once a month. So let's use that as the benchmark. If you're a covenant member, you say, I will serve at least once a month on a Sunday serving team or in some other outside of Sunday serving team with the church, right? So if you do that, and let's say, it's, let's say it is Sunday, right? It is a Sunday team. And so that's five hours, right? 8.30 to 1.30. Five hours once a month. This is how much of your time that God has stewarded to you for the entire year you are giving to Jesus if this is the only way that you serve. Fair enough. I get it. You serve in other ways. Work with me here. Be a little bit charitable in the illustration, okay? This is how much time. 0.7% of your time. 0.7%. Not even 1%, okay? Okay? So here, I'll get you to 1%. This is how we're going to get to 1%. Ready? Because you guys sleep. Let's say you spend 30% of your time sleeping, and we'll just chop that time right off there. Okay? Now you're giving 1%. Okay, I took out my calculator. Now you're doing 1%, okay? If you don't want me to invade on your sleeping time, I won't. But you guys invade on my sleeping time a lot, even though you don't know it. Okay? So... 
Just saying. <coughs> okay, now, let's say you cancel last minute on two of those throughout the course of the year. Ah, sorry, you're back under 1%. You're at 0 0.8. Okay? Say, so, okay, Adam, I get it. I get it. Okay, well, I'm not done yet. All right. <laughs> this thing right here. So you say, okay, fine, fine, I'll serve. I'll serve with the church. I will show the world that I love the body of Christ, and I will serve in the church. Uh, you, you got me. Finally, I have no more excuses. There, you know, anyway. So here we go. Here are some ways you can serve in the church. And I'll just, look at this. Okay, what's going on here? <laughs> Let's grab this one. Dave's a, sorry Dave for the feedback. I just went face first to the speaker, and that's what makes the speakers go crazy. All right, so I got a hosting builder. What does a builder mean? Well, you're someone who's learning how to uh, lead yourself. You know, you're just trying to figure this whole thing out and get started. And, uh, and imagine this. Imagine, so, and you've seen our hosts, right? You've seen what they do. They kind of they greet you at the door, they smile, maybe shake your hand, maybe engage you in some conversation. Um, maybe, they, maybe they pour you a coffee. Maybe they uh, help you fill out a Connect card. Um, but what are they really doing? What are they really doing, right? Because there's so much more that this could be. Like, this is the very basic minimum thing that they're doing. And Jamie's doing such a great job trying to rally people around something larger than just shake people's hands at the door. She's got a great vision. She's got it all, all worked out, and she's trying to call people into this, right? What are they really doing? They're creating on-ramps for people into the abundant life, right? Like, we're doing this together as a family, and I love this. I love meeting every week with all of us together as family, and, and, and that hosting team, a hosting builder, what you are doing is you are connecting people into their identity and destiny in Christ at the corporate gathering and in other ways too outside of that. But let's just start right here at the corporate gathering where the family meets. She's creating on-ramps for people to discover their identity. Man, that's amazing. And all I have to do to help make that happen at the bare minimum is shake some hands, put on a smile, and, and engage people in conversation and talk to them about their life? See how, it go, see how it's going? Make them feel like they're at home? <laughs> not, not bad, right? Not bad. I can live out the mission of God so easily just as a hosting builder. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> right? All right, here, what about this? Here, this is a team that's real, really struggling. They got nobody on this team. The guy who leads this team does it every week, all by himself, every single week, not paid. The guy works a full-time job. He's a dad. He's a husband. He does this all by himself. So come, come up after and help him out. Or let him know you're interested in helping him out. All right. Here we go. This is an audio builder. The guy who makes everything sound great. Okay. If you're an audio builder, you get to help craft an environment where, pe uh, where you can enable others to clearly communicate the message of Jesus at Trinity Life. You get to build the kingdom of God by creating a space to lead people into worship, in part by, this is the bare minimum, in part by helping make this technology stuff work, right? But so much more. So imagine what it could be. 
Imagine what it could be. There's so many cool things that we can do with technology. And let's take audio and visual and put them together. Like, man, we serve the most creative God, right? The God who literally spoke all creation into existence. The, everything was created because this God spoke words, and we get, to, we get to, in a way, through audio and visual, use creative mediums to help people connect and identify with the, the God who gives the abundant life, the one who made all creation, the one who is pursuing people, right? The one who loves the whole world, loves it so much that he sacrificed his only son on a cross for you so you could live in freedom. And a little way that we can do that, and just by giving 1% of your time, or less probably, and you should give more than that, just so we're clear, you should give way more than that, right? Is just by helping Dave out by doing the sound stuff. All right. There's so many things here. Prayer needs leaders. Uh, our events team needs big-time help. Um, Kid City needs big-time help. Do you know we don't even have someone to lead our Kid City ministry? It's like literally hanging on by a thread. There's so many ways. And what is a Kid City doing? Right? They're teaching children how to hear, trust, and obey God. My daughter, your kid. So amazing. All right. Are we boiling yet? Ah, love it. Serve the Lord. I'm probably already over time. Just on that. We're not. Don't worry. There's plenty more for you. All right. Are we done with this verse? Do we kind of get it? Like I just, and I just gave you the starting point, right? Like we could talk so much about this. I could talk to you for hours about this. I could talk to you for hours about the fullness of this. Like, but I'm just giving you the starting point. Let's just take the first door, you know? There's so much of the house to be explored. All right, so then we move on. We move on. This is, oh, I love, I love this. So good. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. This is, it's a little bit weird, right? Like, same thing with the personality thing. Like, are you telling me my personality should be, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we, we look at that and we're like, that's great. Like, if you're a Christian, you're like, that's amazing. Yeah, rejoice in it. Even, even someone who's not a Christian could see, just rejoice in hope and be like, yes, we should all have a little more joy and a little more hope. Right? But it's actually a little bit weird. Like, have you ever tried telling someone how they should feel? Married people, come on now. Come on. I know. I know, right? Here's how it happens, right? Sweetie, could you just lighten up a little bit? Maybe just have a little more joy, like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, right? Have you ever tried telling how, someone how they should feel? But still, Paul is saying, rejoice in hope. He's telling you how you should feel, commanding you, to have joy. Interesting. <laughs> right? So, like, okay, so that made me think, okay, what, like, what is going on here? Like, okay, so we're in the book of Romans, which is normally, it's like intense, like, if we think about the book of Romans, if you read it, you're like, man, that's actually, isn't that like a book that's like intensely theological, and Paul gets into some crazy stuff, like, like, 
It's into the, the why and the how of God, right? Exactly how, like salvation? Like, what is that? And how did that happen? And, 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 and why did God do that? And then, so that leads to like justification, and all these big words, and, and he explains it, how it all works. And then you're like, okay, great. So like, I'm a Gentile. This is amazing, because I'm saved if I, you know, believe in Jesus. And, and, but what about the Jews? And he asked that kind of a question, that huge question. Like, what, how does that work? Right? And then, he, and then he answers that, right? And you're like, whoa, so cool, but it's really complicated. And like, you read it, and you're like, it doesn't make sense. It kind of makes sense if like, maybe you've read it a thousand times, and then you read it again, and you're like, I don't get it, right? And now he's in this, this little, we're in this little section here where Paul's telling you how you should feel. Okay, what is this all about? And so I thought, okay, let's just, so if, if Paul set a foundation earlier to like the how and the why and like, and now he's telling me how I should feel, maybe I'll just go back to the foundation real quick, right? And so let's go to Romans 5. I was up late, sacrificed my sleep for you so I don't have it on the screen, my apologies. Stop chuckling. I'm trying to be serious. All right, here we go. Okay, so through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. Ooh. That's the same grace as Abraham, who was justified because he believed God when he heard his voice, trusted and he obeyed. Interesting. In which we stand. Oh, sorry. Through him. We also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Okay, so that's our rejoicing. What's the hope? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That God would be made great. So this is like it supersedes circumstance, right? Because God is glorified in all things. I love this little song. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the... So good. <clears throat> and it, keep, it keeps going. Not only that, not only, you're like, but isn't that enough that God would be glorified? Right? Not only that. Whoa, this is cool. Okay, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Ooh, <clears throat> Paul, don't touch that one. Not my sufferings. Yes. Yes, your sufferings. But we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. Ooh. We could go, we could go on and on just on this. Like those two little, little things there. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Interesting. Now there's this, now there's this amazing part about Jesus dying for the ungodly, that you used to be an enemy, but now you're not. God's actually made you a friend, right? Like, that was 23 years of my life. God, meh, you're probably not real. And if you are, you're not a very nice person because I haven't read the Old Testament, but everyone says it's horrible. So, yeah. So you're bad, right? 
But now you've been brought and you've made a friend. Ooh, amazing. That was amazing for me. It changed everything. And then we get to this part. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Jesus is alive, friends. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You have been made a friend. Everything's there. Everything's there. You've been made a friend. Rejoice. Like so, I get it. You're suffering. I get it. Stuff is happening. Rejoice in hope. How could we not rejoice in that? If that's true? Like, if that's true? Here's another reason. I was thinking about, I was thinking about this. Oh, before I say that, here, let's push it further. Let's, let's push it further. Go back to our, uh, our Romans 12 verses. Be patient in tribulation. Right? So patience, it's like, okay, that's a, that's a good word. I kind of know what that means. I use that a little bit more than zeal. It means, but this is what it means uh, in the scripture, right? It's an active endurance. Patience. I am patient. Right? Tribulation. It's pressing. Being, I'm being crushed, God. I'm being crushed here. I'm being pressed in on. And I can't take it anymore. Right? But God, I'm being patient. And I'll wait for you. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're gone in a flash, faster than you think. But the things that are unseen are eternal, forever, forever. Um, the very first time I met Mike, I invited him over to my little small group. He's like, oh, you're called to plant church. I'm called to plant church. Let's hang out. Come to my small group. No one showed up today. Let's just talk, right? All right. Mike, what's one thing that you would tell to us as young people? I was, what, 25? Just gotten married. No kids yet. And, and my, my small group, we hung out during the week to pray, read the Bible, repent of sin, confess sin, experience joy and healing together is great. So what is one, one thing that you would tell us as young people trying to live this life? What would you tell us? This is what he said. Have an eternal perspective. Have an eternal perspective. Because if we only see what is seen right there in front of us, we will miss all eternity. We'll miss it. And the thing that's seen right there that's giving you a hard time right now, man, is that a small little thing? Man, is it really? Think about what the thing is. And then put it 
look at it through the lens of all eternity and tell me how big it really is. Is it your uh, job? Forbes magazine says the average time someone spends at their job is only four years. Four years? That's not a long time, right? If you're younger, like, like the young people are probably bringing this stat way down and the old people are probably bringing this stat way up, right? So for us young folks, this is all we are. It's only a couple old folks in here. Hey, Bob. <laughs> right? They stayed at their job for like 20, 25 years, 30 years, right? Is it your job? After four years, a couple hard things have happened, right? And ah, I'm out of here. Is it your marriage? A couple hard things have started to happen. Starting to have a couple doubts. Do they love me still? That thing really bugs me about them. Is this worth it? How long do marriages last these days? 2008, there was a poll. Again, the old people probably bring this stat way up. The young people just don't even bother getting married anymore. 10 to, 10 to 20 years, 40% of marriages last that long. 10 to 20 years. So it's we till death do us part. Dang. What's that thing? What's the thing that's bugging you right now? Patience. Patience. Now, you know, I don't want to have to say stuff like this, but, you know, that guy's beating you. That guy's beating, that guy's, like, something bad's happening. Jail, you know, and let's talk about it, but for the majority of cases, let's talk about the majority. Um, patience, friend. Fervency in the spirit. Eternal perspective. Let's look at Jesus' example. Looking to Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and what? And is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You have not suffered through even the closest bit of what Jesus suffered through. And he did it for the joy set before him. Like, think about those little things that set you off, you know? Like, not even the smallest bit compared to Jesus, right? Patience. All right. So, here we go. Think about a spear. You have the tip of it. That's what does the damage. You have the shaft, and that's what helps push it forward, right? If serving the Lord is the spear tip for fervency and zeal, this last part is the tip of the spear for uh, hope, rejoicing, and patience and tribulation. Spear tip that cuts right through it all. It's the arena in which this can take place. Like, yes, I want to have joy. Yes, I want to have patience when my life is hard. Where is the context? Where is the lion? What's the lion that I need to be in front of? Constant in prayer. Or for you, was that that thing that was one of those regular every day? Was that the antelope? Or was that the lion? Prayer is the lion. Prayer is the lion. That's the thing 
Serving the Lord in prayer. You want to go forward? Two pedals on a bike. Serve the Lord. Pray. Serve the Lord. Pray. Serve the Lord. Pray. Be constant in prayer. So what happens in prayer? I'm going to wrap this up soon. This is the last thought. I was talking to Jamie about this this week on video chat. We got so excited. Right? Because she leads our prayer team. And so talk to her after so you can meet the lion of prayer. Right? Your communion and connecting with the God of all creation, number one. Okay? And think about this. I was talking about this with another friend, right? God already knows everything you are going to say. And for some of you, and even me at times, this is what we do. We say, well, God already knows what I'm going to say. Why would I bother saying it? And I only really learned about it. I, like, I'd heard this with my ears, but now I'm a daddy, and now I really get it. Like Blakely, my two-and-a-half-year-old, all she says is things I already know. I already know. Dada, you can put on your boots? Dada, we go to the park? Dada, right? I already know all the things. But you know what the sweetest thing to do with my two and a half year old is? Cuddle up with her. Get her right on my lap, right here. And she's sitting up like this. Maybe we're sitting on the couch, or maybe we're lying down in bed because we just did bath time. And that's the sweetest time of the whole day. And she's looking me right in the eyes. And you know what she's doing? She's telling me all the things I already know. But it's the best time in the whole day. And so have a conversation with your daddy. Be creative with it. Oh my gosh, sometimes it's like we set up this instance that's like, guys, let's pray into this. Like God is doing this and the time for it is now Let's pray unto this. And you pull out this same prayer you prayed over and over and over again, and you say it like you don't even care. Right? Like, man, we can be so creative. Like, think about all the words that are in English. Zeal. <laughs> Fervency. We can be so creative. Have fun with it, right? Have fun. Man, like... If God is the most creative being, creativity pierces right to the center of who you are because you're made in the image of God, and you want to just pray boring old prayers you prayed a thousand times? No, live in your, the image of God. Come on, Christian, rise up, right? Be creative, even in your prayer. When I just tell you to be creative, that doesn't mean just go paint a painting, right? Think differently about things. Every single moment is a unique, sovereignly ordained moment for you to reflect the image of God in a manifold number of creative ways. And so prayer's the lion. Do it in prayer. Let's start boiling in this service. And boil in your service. And boil in prayer. We're doing so much boiling, we're going to bring the house down. That's my cue to stop talking. I just get so excited. And I already talked about how Jesus boiled, and this is how he did, did it. And so let's remember that.
Because Jesus died for us, and that was the thing that made him boil. To see you reconciled back to him. And he shed, he broke, his body was broken, and his blood was shed for you. And so our communion folks are coming up, and the band's coming up. And let's spend some time in prayer and song and remembering, and let's respond. Respond creatively. Respond in prayer. Respond in song. Let's boil up a little bit. All right. Stop talking, Adam. Let's, uh, let's worship Jesus. Can we worship Jesus, Cecile? Amen. Come on. This girl is a boiler. That girl boils up there. <clears throat> I love that girl. All right. Guys, respond to the Lord now in song and in communion together. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.